I'm going to start with a quiz. You'll see it in a little bit when I put it up there. And the quiz asks, it's almost like a riddle. And I want you to think, what food is yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and it's very sweet? I'll give you some time to think about it. As uh, my colleagues up there frantically look for the clicker, I want to make sure that it's not up here. The riddle is, what is yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and it's very sweet? Which one were you thinking of? Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, man. Thank God for the erasers of the Lord. It erases our mistakes. Should have been up there. Now, <clears throat> which one were you thinking of? Bananas. Praise the Lord. Um, I was thinking the Twinkie. I was trying to think of an illustration on how to start. Since last week we were talking about, you know, comida, comido, I was teaching you a little Spanish related to food. Thought I would continue with that illustration. Um, but though we came up with banana, if you think about it, yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and very sweet also fits the Twinkie. The reality is, though, that I'm asking for something that falls under the broader canopy of true food. How many of you guys have seen a, a U.S. Open or Wimbledon tournament? Um, if you've seen those, my brother played tennis, uh, and uh, he loved watching those, and I, I enjoyed them as well. <clears throat> we noticed that between sets, these professional athletes would sit, sip on water, and you know what they nibbled on, most of them? Bananas. It would restore their electrolytes, bring some potassium, some vitamin C, some, some sugar, but not the kind of sugar high that you would get from a Twinkie, but the sugar that you would get from a fruit, which is loaded with fiber. And so it allows for the sugar to escalate gently, normally, and then de-escalate and go back to normal. Whereas with a Twinkie, I mean, you give my Gianna a Twinkie, you will see the sugar spike, right? You won't need to take a, a glucose uh, testing to see that her sugar is choo, through the roof. Um, and that's the difference. One nourishes us, one promotes health, meets our needs of life. The other one, though outwardly may fit the description, really a Twinkie is not food. It's not something that qualifies it as food because it has no fiber, it has pure sugar, and of course some fat and all the other stuff, but it tastes so good, right? That's the problem. Remember in New York City, they had discovered that if you, f they, they, they would sell as hotcakes when they would take Twinkies, freeze them, and then quickly deep fry them and sell them to people because the creamy inside would still stay frozen while the outside would get crunchy. And uh, deep fried Twinkies, man. Knowing what I know as a nurse, and you don't have to be a medical professional to know that there are certain things that they may taste good, but they just ain't right. And a deep fried Twinkie is one of those. Education is the same way. Education 
I mean, Jason, do you have a pencil left? You know, the greatest part that makes this pencil such a great learning tool, what was it? Because it... Now, what core value is found in the gospel that fits the principle of the eraser? What is it called? Forgiveness. Can you have forgiveness without the, the view of God in that model? In essence, when information filters out God, when information, when education filters out God from the, the, the content, the foundation of what is being presented, in essence, it rips out the eraser. You are left on your own to scribble and try to blot out on your own, your own mistakes. Leaving God out of the equation hinders education. It leaves the one that offers us grace. Thank you, Jason, for that illustration. Any educational system that filters out God completely out of its process provides a worldview in which we are left to fend for ourselves. It's a very... Can you imagine giving an exam, you, you get an exam, a written exam, and you get one of these without an eraser? How would you feel? You get the name wrong, right? <laughs> You're nervous. True knowledge is that which develops in me an ever-increasing awareness and discernment of what is good and evil. It develops in me morality. That's one of the key things. Just like the banana has certain qualifiers that makes it true food. It, it will nourish us during a tennis match. It will nourish me during my... That's what I would take for my soccer matches. It will bring you nourish. I did not take a Twinkie to eat between halftime in a soccer game. I will be running pretty fast for the first five minutes, but what will happen after that? Same thing with education. Education, in order for it to provide a true benefit to those receiving it, has to have God in it because it will produce morality. It will produce a sense of ethics. It was weird. Last month, in a one-week period, three members from our church asked me via phone, text, and Facebook, Pastor... How do we know God's will? How can I know God's will? The will of God, His desires for us, how He wants to lead us, is founded upon morality and ethics. The God we serve is a moral God. The God we serve is an ethical God. We touched on this many, many, some sermons ago when we were talking about Sabbath. How Sabbath is, is an emblem of morality and ethics. During Sabbath, there were no slaves. During Sabbath, there was no servants. During Sabbath, every human being was equal before God. Isn't that a wonderful concept to begin to absorb? It prevents racism. It prevents these social class disparities that are so prevalent in our world. 
unethical, immoral. The God we serve is a moral, ethical God. And because he is the beginning of wisdom and he is the beginning of knowledge, it goes without say that true education should bring those elements, because it includes God, it should bring an awareness, a heightened understanding of things that are evil and things that are good. I mean, how will we know what to erase? If I don't know what a mistake is, how will I know I need to erase it, correct? Does that make sense? What good is it to have grace and forgiveness if I don't know what I need forgiveness for? Without morality and without ethics, what's evil? What needs forgiveness? What needs erasing? Does that make sense, church? Oh, man, I have to go back and redo this sermon next week. True education should go beyond information, beyond verifiable facts. True information should change the way I choose. I make choices that are moral and are ethical. Um, I've been talking a lot of abstracts, and I was asking the Lord, please, Lord, give me something. And please listen to this preamble. I am a pastor. I have no political agendas, no political leanings, and this has nothing to do with politics, okay? I am simply using an individual, and I read this about three weeks ago. As I was looking for, for something that could conceptualize all these abstract things that we've been talking about, I thought, is there someone that is very bright, very sharp, that's successful, but that can help us understand the importance of including God, placing God at the center of our education, the information that we receive? And I came across this article from a... Christianity Today, it was from July 25, written by Eugene Scott. The title of this article was, Trump, this is Donald Trump, believes in God but hasn't asked forgiveness. That was the title of the article. Donald Trump believes in God but hasn't asked for forgiveness. And this was in the context of a coalition of family ministries, family Christian ministries that got together in Iowa, and together they would interview Donald Trump to see where he made some stances, to see whether they would support him at the polls. And so they had some questions for, for Mr. Trump, and the question that got the attention of this writer was, the moderator Frank Luntz asked Donald Trump whether he has ever asked God for forgiveness for his actions whether he has ever asked God to erase. This is Donald, Donald Trump's response. I am not sure I have. I just go on and try to do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. I'm speaking as a pastor, not as someone that is looking for a presidential candidate. If Donald Trump was a Seventh-day Adventist and a member of my church, that statement, I don't bring God into that picture, I haven't asked God for forgiveness, is in essence saying, give me a pencil without an eraser, I'll do just fine. If 
I do something wrong, I don't bring God into the picture. I try to fix it myself. The notion of leaving God out of the picture, the notion of filtering God out of my worldview, I can call myself a Christian because I'm yellow on the outside and white on the inside and very sweet, but that does not make me a banana. And I can say that I'm an Adventist or he, calls, he defines himself as a Presbyterian. You can define yourself as a Catholic. But what is my worldview? What, has, what impact is the information and the knowledge that I'm acquiring? How is it impacting me? I must ask the question, what kind of information has Mr. Trump received that leads him to not bring God into the picture, to filter him out. And if he is filtering God out of the picture, how does this affect his work ethics? How does this affect Donald Trump's morals? And anyone's, not just him. For a human being to declare, if I do something wrong, I take care of it. I don't bring God into the picture. It's a statement that has moral implications, ethical implications. If God is not in the picture of what I see around me, then what is evil? What is wrong? And what is right? And beyond being able to make that discernment, can I act on that? True math, it learns, it teaches me that numbers can be used to bless others. It teaches me that English, through words, I can, we, I can learn to use words to bless others. If I learn history, I learn that the past can be used to bless others. Through true science, I learn that creation can be used to bless others. There is an underlying current of true education, it goes somewhere. And the destination it takes those that receive true education is a life of service, a life for the benefit of others. When I leave God out of the equation, all the education and knowledge I acquire, all the skills that I obtain have one current direction, my benefit, my aggrandizement my bigger, how to get the bigger slice of the pie myself. Education is not simply learning the arithmetics and the grammar rules. But as we learn these things, how are we going to use that information? How are we going to use that, that gain knowledge and apply it to our lives? Last week, I ended the sermon with a question. The question was regarding the placing of our kids in certain schools. As your pastor, who loves you, I am sincerely praying, and I have been since I've been here, that the parents of our church 
would place their children in our Christian school. I have been praying that the Lord would show us that it's not just a school that has God sprinkled and it is inconsequential. I know that Christian education is being challenged from various sources. But for me, you know, there is no entity. Whenever you involve humans in it, there is no perfect entity. But if I have an institution that will give a banana to my child, the banana may have a couple spots. The banana may have a little bit of a bump at one end, but it's still a banana. It's an education that places God at the center of every subject. It's an education that will give the child the potential to absorb a worldview that has a moral compass. That as the education, as the knowledge increases, it's not just that they are able to answer questions on a test. They are able to answer questions in life. Life has questions that are not found in textbooks. Pastor, how do I know God's will? I have to make a decision for my life. Where do I get the answer? Where's the textbook? Is it science? Is it history? Is it math? Is it statistics? Across the gym, God has placed an institution, a privilege, a blessing, that as your pastor, I would prayerfully invite you to consider. There's individuals that have come to me and said, well, pastor, did you go to Adventist schools? I went to public schools. That's why I am appealing to you to place your child in a Christian school. The worldview I graduated with is very similar to that of Donald Trump. Is this a young lady that I should unite my interests with and get married to? I leave God out of the picture. Is this a career that I should be pursuing? The question is not whether God is leading me that direction. The, the, the questions that I had was, how many digits are in the paycheck of these careers? When I went to college and I went to my advisors, I said, what are the highest paying careers out there? the ones that require the least amount of effort. Education that merely informs. Education that provides information without a God picture can actually be harmful. It gives us power without the ability to use that power in an ethical, moral way. Now, it wasn't that my parents were uninterested. The Spanish church we grew up with didn't have a school, but eventually my mom and my dad transferred us to the Harrisburg First Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was an English-speaking church. And very similar to our church. The sanctuary is here. There's a foyer, a gym, and then the school. 
And my parents would look at that school, because in South America, we did go to Adventist schools when we were little. My parents would look at that school and keep walking. You see, my, you know my journey. My parents were illegal at that time, making below minimum wage. We were dirt poor. And my parents knew that Christian schools, Christian tuition cost money. So they never asked. Years later, when I was in college, and my brother was also in college, we were talking to some church leaders, and I guess he was a potluck, and we were talking about that moment when my parents first started coming here and wished that they could have placed us in, in the Adventist school. And these leaders lamented and told my parents, why didn't you ask? My parents said, we, we didn't think we could afford it. And these individuals lamented because we sometimes have questions and are afraid to ask them. My friend, if you have questions about our school, ask them. The Lord has answers. The Lord has answers. More than me, the Lord will open up doors so that our children can grow up with a different worldview than that of a public school. And I'm not going to go and say, you know, the, the, like the schools that I went to that were of the lower social class, lower tax bracket. I'm talking about any school that leaves out God out of the picture. I think that there's a better option. And as Christians, we should seek for the better option for our children. Just because it's yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and it's sweet, does not make it a banana. And just because they will teach math, English, science, and history, and all those things, with good teachers, with a good curriculum, does not mean that they will include the key component, which is a God-driven worldview. A worldview that makes me a moral character, an individual that when faced with decisions that, in, that require ethical discernments, I will be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, the, the view that I have embraced and the, the view that I have been given to see clearly what the choices that, that I have to make. I will not hesitate to make them. Love is the basis of creation and redemption is the basis of true education. Love. Not competing with India, not competing with China. It's love. Love is the ultimate goal, teaching our children how to love, teaching ourselves how to love. True education teaches me how to love God and humanity through all of my academic achievements. The goal is not simply to say, will I be able to become rich or wealthy or financially stable? The, the, the driving question, the driving principle is, will this education maximize my ability to be a blessing to humanity while I live? That is the goal. It goes beyond the diploma. It places a higher aim for education. The next quote says, our ideas of education take too narrow and too low of a range. There is need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. It doesn't say that it doesn't. It doesn't tell you to not go to college or go to graduate school or get a PhD. It's not saying that at all. It's the motive and the purpose for it. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. What is true education? True education has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence. 
my academic performance is not all of me. Because I get an A and I am an honor student doesn't mean that I am a good person. That is just one slice of Ariel. My academic performance does not speak about the whole of who I am. I may be very well at math and business, but horrible at sharing and being generous. Does that make sense? And true education focuses on the entire human being. It will not just teach effective, successful business practices. As a moral person, as a Christian, I cannot use business knowledge to stiff other people. It is the harmonious development, harmonious development of the physical, of the mental, and what is that last one? Spiritual. It prepares a student for the joy of what? Service, not career, service. I can have a job, and when I was a nurse, I was working, punching in, punching out, just like every other nurse. But the worldview that I had adopted did not allow me to just simply punch in and punch out. While at work, I would pray continually, how can I shine for my coworkers? With the knowledge that I have as a nurse, I was prepared and ready to, as soon as I graduate, to start putting out um, community programs to educate illegal immigrants and immigrants that don't speak English on how to immunize their children and all these health resources that are available from the community for free because many of them are afraid. They're afraid of the bills. And as a nurse, I wanted to be used by God with the knowledge I had acquired as a nurse to be a blessing because there is joy in service. There is a joy in service that supersedes the joy of graduation. There is a joy in service that supersedes the joy of a paycheck. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a joy in being a blessing for someone else that supersedes all worldly attainments. And true education places that front and center in the mind of our children so that we do not grow up in a culture of me-centered, me-pleasure, me, number one, me, myself, and I. True education places service as the, the ultimate aim. And not just service for this world, but the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Jesus tells us, do not labor for the food which perishes. Don't work for the Twinkie. But for the food which endures to everlasting life. Strive for an education. Get good grades. Don't be lazy. Don't say, well, I'm not going to do my homework because I'm going to pray. When I was taking massage school in, in um, California, our director, Dr. Thomas, told us about how we can use sometimes spirituality to be mediocre. And as I was busting my chops trying to learn the anatomy and the physiology, the insertion points and the nerves and all these things. One student locked himself in the room and read the Bible every day while he should have been in class. And then called the director of our school unholy and uncompassionate and unspiritual because he was learning the Bible and what better thing to learn than the Bible rather than anatomy and physiology. That was not, that's another kind of Twinkie, right? 
first time I went to college, it was so that I could get money, so that I could have career and financial security. And I dropped out. It's my journey, okay? I'm not saying this is happens across the board. This is my journey. I dropped out. I dropped out in such a way that I did not know that if you stop going to class, you don't get an F. You get an incomplete. Actually, yes, I'm sorry. You don't get an incomplete, you get an F. Some teachers would mercifully give us an incomplete, but after a while, they started getting me, giving me Fs. And by the time I was out and done with pursuing college, I was under academic probation. And that's where I found myself when I wanted to go back to serve the Lord with academic probation. I couldn't take any of the classes preparing me for nursing. I had to take a whole bunch of classes that I had gone Fs on. But I did it. And you know, there's a difference when there's joy of service driving the educational pursuit. Do you know that there's a difference? The driving power of getting an education for the joy of service supersedes the driving power of financial gain. And the one walking with me gave insights and understandings that went beyond just memorizing. A lot of what we call education now is just rote memory, but not concept understanding. And I've told you, I didn't care that I got into honor societies, and I didn't care that I was getting into all these things that colleges have and because of the good grades. I wanted to get good grades because I wanted to be the best nurse I could be so that as I would go overseas to serve overseas as in a mission, as I would go into the community where I, where I lived and offer my knowledge as a service, as a free service to the community, I would bring the best that I could in service to the Lord. Sometimes we think, you know, our, our children need to be motivated to go to school and get good grades. I know my child can do so much better. Why is he being so mediocre? Why is he not giving the full of his potential? I know he has it in him. I know she has it in him, her. Why isn't this child producing what it can? Maybe it's what's driving them. A Twinkie may start fast, but it drops really fast too. But a banana, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Not that you're going to give your child a banana and they'll do their homework. Why are they doing their homework? Why are they getting this education? Why should they strive to be the best that they can? Because when they get that diploma, that knowledge and that information will give them potential for service for the kingdom of God. There's nothing higher than that. There's nothing higher than being available for the Lord and the Lord using us to expand his kingdom through loving service and sacrifice. That is the aim of true education. And if our children sometimes don't really have too much gumption and enthusiasm, maybe it has to do with the goal. Maybe we haven't aimed high enough. Maybe finishing college and getting a career is not motivational enough. As Christians, we are called to aim higher than this world does. There's nothing higher than the joy of serving humanity 
in the name of God. Do not labor for the food which perishes. Make sure that the education is true food. Don't get deceived just because it's yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and it's sweet. Just because something has the title education doesn't mean it is. In order to qualify as true education, it must have God at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. Amen? You, we are blessed. We don't need to drive across the state. We don't need to walk 50 miles. Our school is right across the gym. My friend, my parents' friend, if you have children of age, prayerfully, prayerfully come to me. Ask questions if you have. But my friend, put in your children a higher aim than a diploma, a higher aim than an A. Academic achievement has its worth, but it's not the all in all of education. God in the picture changes everything. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Without God, education ends up being a pencil without an eraser. Life without grace. Life without knowing we have a merciful God that is compassionate and takes our mistakes and wipes them out. I'm praying that Donald Trump experiences the joy of the forgiveness of God in his life. I don't criticize him, and I'm not putting him down. He's a human being just like me, and I know what that worldview world feels like because I had it too. And I pray for that man. He reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3. And there's Daniel chapter 4. There is hope for Donald Trump because of the grace of Jesus. Amen? Because there's hope for Ariel rolled on too. That's how I know. So don't misunderstand that I'm bashing or trying to humiliate. I'm speaking about the realities of what happens in our lives when we leave God out of the equation. We are asking for the removal of the eraser in the pencil of life. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I'm speaking symbolically here. That's what Jesus is saying. What is my flesh? What is my blood? The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. A school that is guided by this curriculum a school that is founded upon the Word of God and the principles, the holy principles of righteousness found only in the Word of God, that can be a school that has the potential to provide true education to the minds of children so that when they graduate, they're not simply cutthroat trying to get to the top of the, the, the uh, social ladder or, or corporate ladder. They're looking at their careers from a totally different angle. They're looking at their careers of when I get my diploma, how will I be able to use this for the kingdom of God, for the benefit of humanity, for the joy of service? That is the blessing of a Christian education. We have it across the gym, my brothers and my sisters. Again, as your pastors, I make no apologies. I am a Christian Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Of course, I am praying all of our parents will place their children in our Christian schools. What else could you expect from me as a pastor, especially one that has gone to public school? True education, morals, and ethics. That young lady right there, her name is Miley Smith. Miley Hoffman, I'm sorry. 
Miley <clears throat> is a special young lady. I met her when she was this tall, and her parents would send her to Robert Smith, who from previous sermons you'll know that he was the youth leader that had the most impact in my spiritual journey. God used this truck driver in a mighty way to save me and bring me into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's his granddaughter. Miley grew up in the home of two parents that were not really practicing Christians. They loved the Lord, but they were not, they were too busy with careers and things like that for God. They were not Adventists. Bob was the only Seventh-day Adventist in his home. <clears throat> he converted at a much later age. Um, when his wife died of cancer, after praying and asking the Lord to intervene and accepting the reality that God wouldn't, when Kay passed away, Bob told me, I got on my knees and I said, my mission field are my grandkids. I want them to have the greatest and best opportunities to learn about Jesus Christ, their Savior, and to be converted Christians. So he approached Tony and Sharon, great individuals, very nice individuals. He approached his daughter and son-in-law and said, uh, I'm going to pay, I'm willing to pay for Miley to be at our Adventist school. First, there was some hesitation, but they agreed. And you know, Miley will never really know because she will not have a reference point. I do. I know what it is like to go to a Christian school, both primary and then university. But Miley won't. She's grown up in a world like this. She gets to school, and her grandpa is helping make sandwiches for lunch. And her best friend from classroom is helping with the kids during gym. The parents are there. They're helping. The pastor makes regular visits to the classroom. Before every exam, the teacher prays. Throughout the whole curriculum, God is mentioned unapologetically with no beating around the bush. It is natural to include God in the discussion of history. It is natural to bring up God in the discussion of man, in the discussion of history. Furthermore, once a week, they cross the gym and they walk into the sanctuary and they have worship. So for Miley, there is no dichotomy, there is no fragmentation in her worldview that this is my secular life in my secular school where I'm not allowed to talk about God, where my teachers will never talk to me about God, where there will never be any mention about God, even though the education may be good, God is left out. So this is a world where God is not, does not exist, and here's my church life, where God is there. Five days out of the week, for about six hours a day, God is not existent in all the information that is given to me. One day a week for about an hour, I will hear about a world with God in it. Miley did not grow up like that. For her, the church and the school had no divisory line. They were one and the same. Her school was her church and her church was her school. She graduated, she went to Blue Mountain Academy, she's at Union College, studying to be a teacher, and she took a year, as many college students do, to 
when they go to these Christian institutions. Miley took a year off two years ago to go to Central America to an orphanage. She would learn Spanish, but that's not why she went. She would have tremendous experiences, but that's not why she went. Do you know why Miley went to South America to an orphanage where she could be exposed to malaria, where she probably got diarrhea, where the food may not be as good, and there's no Walmart or, you know, all other goodies that we have here? Do you know what drove her to do that? The joy of service. It impacted her so much of how much she had when she saw others that had so little. It has given her a reference point that will affect her for the rest of her life. It is an education that you cannot get from a textbook, but from a life dedicated to the service of God. It impacted her so much, she actually took two years, another year, to serve at this orphanage. Every child is a different kind of flower. And all together make this world a beautiful garden. Would you want someone like that teaching your child? Would you want a teacher not just with a mind like Miley, but with a heart like Miley teaching your children? Is there a difference? The difference is God. The math may be sane, and there may be secular schools that the math may be better, more competitive. But what's the point if they leave God out of the equation? The ultimate goal of when my child, when Gianna, this is what I'm praying for, walks around with the little black thing that folds and you open up and you smile and you go, no more tests, right? It's not that she got that piece of paper that will hang on a wall. The ultimate goal is that whatever I've learned, auto mechanics, electrician, chef, accounting, computer science, medicine, anything and everything all education, all the information that has come inside and has become knowledge and education, all of it, all of it are placed for God to use. That is the true goal of education, that our children will be prepared to make an impact for the world, for the kingdom of God, beyond just these kinds of acts, to the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus says, and the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached unto all the world, and then the end will come. We need, we need to value the blessing and the gift Christian education brings. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.